Welcome back to the Dictate the Game podcast, episode two. I'm your host, Eric St. Peter. Big week at dictatethegame.com this past week. We had our most successful article in a 24-hour span, Moneyball. We talked about it last week. We'll be talking about it in depth with FM VARs here on the uh, podcast. We're also going to be talking to Fernando Gonzalez, the founder of Metro Fan TV, a fan channel for the New York Red Bulls in the United States about kind of the culture of the soccer in the United States and the Red Bulls in general. But first, let me introduce our panel for today. We have Guy. Good morning, Guy. Morning. How you doing? We have Dom. Hello. And of course, Luke. 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 Are you there, Luke? No. Yeah. There he is. <laughs> All right, so we have Luke Dumb and Guy. Of course, Guy himself is FM Vars from Dictate the Game, and we are going to get right into it, talk about Moneyball. This is uh, the biggest article that we've had in a 24-hour span at dictatethegame.com in four years, over 7,000 views in its first 24 hours. Congratulations, super successful, uh, and it's just part one. Yeah, um, the response has been completely overwhelming. Like... um... I, th I thought it would be pretty good. I think just the hype that sort of Cleon had made with his tweet that it got a lot of responses and a lot of reaction. So I knew the response would be pretty good, but the, the it's just completely taken off. I think the thing that surprised me the most is how popular it's been uh, across the pond in the US. We're getting a lot of views from uh, the US on the Reddit, especially, um, and people telling me I don't know much about baseball. <laughs> um, which is true. So we're going to take a deep dive into the article itself. So you're going for your master's in data analytics uh, coming up. So really, this is right up your alley in creating a sabermetrics for the game of football and in football manager. So explain to us a little bit about how you went about it and how we could use that in our football manager games. Yeah, so um, like I said, the idea came from Cleon's tweet, but more importantly, like I'm I'm really big on data analytics like that's what i'm doing my master's in i've been looking for a job in it for the past six months maybe and just really struggling um and it's something i've been doing inside my own for manager saves is just looking at the data to try and um, use that to influence my signings i guess that's where the idea kind of came from and i just kind of ran with it from there um and i've just been sort of compiling lots of statistics um I've tried to design my KPIs around what I want each player to do. So for instance, if you think about uh, wingbacks, you want them to cover a lot of distance, be making a lot of tackles and interceptions and that kind of thing. Yeah, so different, different positions will have different KPIs. And then I'm just compiling all the data that's available in FM to use that to influence my, my sign-ins. So if I'm an FM player and I want to be able to take your philosophy and apply it to my save, I guess the first thing you want to do is check out the article at dictatethegame.com. But at the same time, how do I do it? Do I completely ignore scouting as it is in the game? Where do I get my stats? How do I apply it to my save? So the way I'm doing it is I've I've used my scouting network to get scout reports on all the players. Um, and then I've exported all the statistical data that I've got from those and put it into a massive Excel spreadsheet that I've got going at the minute. A lot of people have been saying, talking about um, attribute masking and whether I could use that within the save. But part of what I'm really interested in looking at is seeing if I can find a player who doesn't quite have the attributes for the role, but still does really well in that role when looking at the statistics. If you're going to try and use it in your save, yeah, I would say just get the scout reports from all the players, have a look at the statistics, maybe export them if, if, you, if you're really interested in that sort of thing. 
and just have a little look at the numbers and just um, see if they can influence your decision making rather than what most people do, which is just looking at the attributes. Also, when you're exporting data, don't do what Guy did and do it all manually. There is a way you can actually do it in game. Yeah, so I got, we were talking about this earlier off the air, weren't we? But I got about halfway through manually exporting all of this data. And then I was like, there must be a quicker way of doing this. And yeah, if you hold control P, I don't know if you've got like a short list or something, control P and you can export it as text file or as a web page. So it's much more convenient than just uh, literally copying it from the screen, which I was doing <laughs> for about half of my day. You finally figured that out after how long? Um, I'd rather not say. <laughs> <laughs> They're really, you know, it's interesting to me to think about how realistic football manager is, but in a way it's not realistic really to be able to look at your player's attributes in real life. I mean, that doesn't exist. So you're looking at statistics and how they play much in the same way that you're talking about in, in your Moneyball article. So really what you're doing is taking another level of realism to football manager. Cause I think this time of year we can all get kind of bored with doing the same thing over and over again. So this is really a different way to play. Yeah. So, um, Cleon's had a, I, I think he's got a piece coming or it is out now. Basically, he's been doing scouting with attribute masking, which is part of the reason why he was talking about Moneyball because the only way he can do his scouting is to look at um, the statistics for players rather than attributes. So yeah, I think anything that keeps the game interesting and or looking at different ways to play the game. I mean, we were talking about this in the first episode, uh, looking at different ways to play the game. It, it keeps it fresh and keeps it interesting. and. Um, so I've yeah taken my interest, which is the numbers and the statistics, and trying to sort of see if I can use those to look at scouting in a different way. Talking to a FM Vars, and if you haven't checked it out, uh, also known as Guy, if you haven't checked it out on um, on DictateTheGame.com, check out the Moneyball article. It was by far our biggest 24-hour views, uh, a lot of them coming from the United States, a lot of them uh, coming from the UK too, but uh, I think it just speaks to the interest in Moneyball, in Sabermetrics, and really finding different ways to be able to make your team the best it possibly can be, and this is a different way. So are the tools that you use going to be made available to people in the next article for them to be able to use it themselves and apply their actual saves with these techniques? Um, probably not the next article, but that's definitely something that I'm looking at doing is, is bringing out a spreadsheet that people can just plug in their data to and use that the same way that I would use it to, um, to influence the, the scouting sort of thing. So yeah, that's definitely something that I'm looking at doing, but probably not in the next article. I think the next article is probably going to be me looking at my January transfer window, um, seeing the players that have gone out and seeing the players that we brought in and having a little look at my spreadsheet and how I've got it set up. How have you done so far regarding results in game? Because obviously you talked about, um, sorry, you talked about how major signings and how you did that, but did it actually work? Yeah, so the, the, the signings I made in the first post, that I made those before I decided I was even doing the Moneyball thing. Yeah. Um, they just happened to match some of my signing criteria. So I, I had a couple of people online saying, oh, you there's not enough data there to, to analyze and stuff. They weren't signed using the data. They were just signed because they looked good. Um, and I could get them cheap, which is how I normally sign my players anyway. But from now on, I think I'm just going to be basing my signings from the data rather than looking at attributes. Um, we are currently 13th in the league. We've played 17 and we've got 20 points 
five wins and five draws. So not too bad. So media predicted that we would finish 19th. So already we're doing pretty well. The striker I brought in, Kalinic, has already got eight goals. And Serge Gnabry's got four assists off the wing as well. So the the new signings are making an impact, um, as I thought they would. But yeah, like I say, those ones weren't signed based on the statistics. But going going forward, we'll be looking much more in-depth at the stats and, and signing players based on that. Is there anything else you want to ask about Moneyball? Or- um, yeah, no. How did you uh, deal with the fame you got from Twitter <laughs> and the Reddit and things? Because it, it, it blew up. It did really, really well. Yeah, it really did. I think it got retweeted by Cleon as well, didn't it? Yeah, and a few other big people in the community as well. Um, yeah, just take it one day at a time, you know? Yeah, just yeah. Uh, taking all the plaudits I can. And- <laughs> no, um, <laughs> yeah, it was... Uh, pretty overwhelming to be fair the the response that i got from it i i knew i don't think i appreciated how much everyone in the fm community is a massive nerd uh yeah, and, yeah. and really loves this kind of thing so yeah i kind of forgot that this it's not just a bunch of fifa players it's a bunch of people who love numbers and and mm. ma- like simulations and stuff like that so yeah i think uh well suited to the community yeah i think that um a lot of FIFA players, when you tell people that you play Football Manager, they kind of look at you and they're like, oh, you, wait, you don't even play the game, you just watch them play. And yeah. you just kind of laugh to yourself and go, you have no idea. Yeah, You yeah. have absolutely no idea. And it, it it's really immersive, this game, in comparison to FIFA, and I think that a lot of people don't oh, understand how much more detail there is. Like, when even just things like transfers, like you, t- you tell a FIFA player, it's like, oh yeah, you can you can sign a player in installments with a buyback price and all this, and they're just like, oh my god, that sounds amazing, and you're like, yeah, it is, it is. That's why we play it. <laughs> yeah, I think the the best thing about Football Manager is it's kind of to some extent it is out of your hands a bit as well, so it does yeah. make you feel like a real manager because you're watching these little dots run around on a screen, and you're like, do play better. What you <laughs> but you just can't, you know. It's not like yeah. FIFA where you win every oh, game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so relatable, that. And plus, you know, I think that a lot of uh, some of the people who play FIFA in other games and uh, don't necessarily or haven't tried Football Manager think you can't really maybe see the game as better, as good as you can in FIFA. But I'll tell you, Ryan just did a great article at dictatethegame.com about using camera angles. And there are camera angles that are very realistic. I mean, it feels like I'm watching a game if you have a good enough uh, video driver on your computer it feels like you're watching something that's fairly similar to uh to fifa but the game itself is so much more in depth yeah i think the the changes they've made to the match engine this year as well have have really helped to make it feel a lot more uh realistic and stuff when you when you used to watch it, it you'd see people doing stuff and you're like that that wouldn't a footballer wouldn't do that they don't move like that but you, the the improvements they've made this year are really really I've just checked. Football Manager is currently the seventh most played in game on Steam right now. Really? Yeah. Wow. Was, I thought it would be higher, actually. It's, yeah, seventh. We've got Dota at the top, PUBG, CSGO, GTA 5, Rainbow Six, Warframe, and then Football Manager. That's really We learned that Dota is because of you, isn't it? Yeah, that, that, those are actually all my accounts. 800,000 <laughs> 800, players, all me. All me. <laughs> And I'm pretty sure Football Manager 2018 is still on the list as well for the top 100. Mm. And there was a load of, it, there was, a, I remember seeing a load of stats on Reddit a couple of months ago about um, like the median number of game, like hours per game. Yeah. 
and football managers like twice as much as any other player because yeah. everyone who plays the game just hammers like, it. Yeah, exactly like what we were saying last week about how we've got, you know, over 500 hours per game per year. Yeah. Like in my Steam account, I've got probably about, I don't know, 6,000 hours and half of that is football manager. You know, it's, it's, and it's crazy how much I've played it. <laughs> so that begs the question what do you think about uh improvements for next year and and i know that you have an article coming up this week dom uh, is it on wednesday yeah i'm i'm releasing an article on wednesday about what we want to see from football manager 2020 because a lot has changed in football over the last couple of years with obviously var um i'm not really sure about how well received var was in game i i just think it's kind of a joke because it's a computer game so it should be right. They don't have to check VAR for the right decision, but I kind of understand and appreciate the realism. I, I, a couple of years ago, I did do some stuff similar, and I talked about women's football, and I talked about how like, likely that is and how good it would be to be in the game because putting women's football in the game would be really good for the sport, um, but I don't think it's particularly realistic because of the actual coding that goes into the game because of the way that you'd have to separate between players being able to sign for different teams and not for others and the way that players are generated. So I think women's football would be good, but I'm not sure it would be likely. I've always said every single year, I would love to have better halftime team talks because you mm. go into a dressing yeah. room, you've got 15 minutes and you say, all right, guys, keep it up really good. And then you go back out. It's like players could easily contribute back and say, look, maybe we should do this. Maybe we should do that. They can actually have a discussion. You could probably turn it on and off depending on if people want to play like a streamlined version or a more in-depth. That would be really interesting. That would be really good if they could uh, include even just something where you talk to your assistant manager. Like I know he gives some advice, but it could be, oh, look, you're struggling here. Why don't you change your formation? Or why don't you make a substitution or things like that? I think that would really help. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. one of the things they brought in this year was the tactical briefings, right? Before the game. Yeah. Like, you could yeah. have something along those lines at halftime as well mm -hmm. and say like, look, this guy's been playing really badly today. We need to exploit that. Or yeah. our player's not had a great game. Maybe think about bringing him off. That kind of thing. Like, I, th I think that really, would add a lot. Yeah. It would definitely add a level of realism to it. One thing I would like to see is a mode to, I know it's football manager, right? But a mode to be able to almost be the director of football operations, to be able to sign your own manager and, let them kind of so how fun would it be say if you hired Mourinho and you'd be able to be his boss I think that's a, a a good idea I wouldn't personally be interested in it because I'd be more interested in the whole management side of things but I could understand and maybe you'd have like control over it like they'd come to you and suggest transfers and you can kind of okay them or not it would almost be like director of director yeah. of football yeah a mod to be able to do that just an option to be able to do that I'd be interested in that kind of thing because I think my favorite part of the game is is scouting and transfers and that kind of thing. So if I was just a director of football, I think that'd be really interesting. Uh, you see people doing like director of football challenges where they don't make any of their signings. They're just a, a first team coach, if you like. And yeah. um, I'm not a fan of that. Yeah, that, no. I, my Like I say, my favorite part of the game is signing players. So if I if I had that taken away from me, I probably, probably yeah, wouldn't play. Just leave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. Uh, essentially, though, you can do it if you uh, sign your assistant manager to be the manager that you want to take control of the team and then just go on vacation. Your assistant manager takes control of it anyway, but it's, yeah. it's not really playing the game. That, the infamous holiday glitch or cheat <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know <laughs>
no big level manager that you would want to hire for your team is going to agree to be your uh, assistant manager anyway. So it kind of takes the fun out of it. But yeah. that would be something I'd like to see. Yeah, I, I think that would be good. Uh, guys, is there anything you wanted to see in Football Manager next year? I think they've brought they brought so much this year with the training overhaul and um, oh, what do, what do we think of the training overhaul by the way? It's like yeah, it's very in depth. So um, it's not something I've really stuck my sunk my teeth into. I have I basically just let my assistants schedule everything and then I make little tweaks here and there where I don't agree. But I think this year has been such a big improvement um, from eighteen that. To be honest, I'd just be happy if they made some little tweaks here and there, uh, and basically brought the same game out. I'd be, I'd be more than happy. To be honest, that's one of the cool things about Football Manager in general. Is I mean, if you want to get into the nitty gritty of, say, really controlling your scouting or really controlling your training down to minute detail, you can do it, or you can just leave it to the computer. So you could do really whatever you want to do. You can get as in-depth as you want to uh, be and spend, you know, seven hours setting up your tactic and your squad the first day in. Or you could get your tactic and get your players started scouting, leave that to the director, uh, leave anything that you want to to the director except for actually coaching the team. But <laughs> that is another layer of the game to be able to have – really what you want out of it you can get as in-depth as you want to or as uh just arcade as you want to luke is there anything you'd like to see in the game i would like um more realistic mls in terms of roles like roles in mls you don't have a you don't have a director of football you have two different roles for you have a general manager and you have a sporting director and i think mls it still doesn't feel like in football manager. It still almost feels like it's not. It's not playing MLS. You're playing your league. Well, it's meant to be in MLS, but it's not. I've never touched the MLS because I'm petrified of all the rules. Um, yeah, but and also I've not really shown much of an interest in American football before. So, I mean, I appreciate like it's very popular in the US, but I've never really taken an interest in it. And the rules on signing certain players and they have like, uh, like they're not celebrity players, but they're like big name DPs. signings. DPs, yeah. Designated player. Yeah, I, I don't really understand that, but I appreciate the fact that it's meant to make it so that, you know, you can't just buy a league. I'm I'm in, I'm in America and I'm a fan of American soccer and I don't get it either. But we're going to be talking to Fernando Gonzalez coming up in just a few minutes uh, from Metro Fan TV, uh, a Red Bulls uh, fan channel about American soccer. And, and maybe we could see his perspective on if he wants to change the rules or not, because I mean, I don't know for me. The more restrictive you get, the harder it is for you to be able to compete with bigger leagues. I think other other problem with American soccer is because you're because because all the clubs are owned by one owner, franchises. Yeah, they're they're only interested in their competitions. Like you'll notice, like when New York play in the US US Cup, one of the oldest competitions in the US, founded in nineteen oh five. You you'll be lucky to see any promotion about it because the MLS cannot make any money on it. So why would the MLS be bothered by promoting an event it makes their money from? It's not. Yeah, mm. that's the problem with the soccer there at the moment. Is they're not interested in any other competition apart from MLS. That's the only one they can make money from. I think that's the wrong way to approach football from a grassroots kind of love of the sport rather than the money 
kind of side of things. That's what MLS is all about, though. MLS is not grassroots. Never has yeah. been. And sadly, I don't think ever will be. You look at MLS, it has an like expansion fee at the moment about 200 million. And that's set to go up. I mean, they want, to, they want 28 teams. I think by the end of it, you'll be paying about 500 million pounds to join the league. Well, and that's a lot of money. And also, I mean, if you look at it, so I can give you a great example of exactly what you're talking about, Luke. So uh, New England Revolution, a team in the MLS, really was started by the same people who own the New England Patriots. And it was started by the New England Patriots owner because he has this big stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts, where they play football and they make a lot of money during the fall and the wintertime, but they weren't making any money during the summertime because they didn't have anything going on there except for concerts. So they say, well, why don't I have an MLS team? I'll keep my concessions busy. I'll have things going on. Sure, I'm not going to make a lot of money off of it, but I'll make somebody. At least something's better than nothing. And that's where you're coming from when you're coming from the idea of owning a team instead of own. You know, I'll, I'll own it so I don't lose money over the summertime. And I would probably bet that a lot of other teams are kind of in that same boat. And things will never change until – you have a grassroots love of soccer. That's why I like to see teams like Inter Miami coming in and teams that are owned by former players that get it outside of that and, and are there for the purpose of being a team that you want to have in the community, go out. New York Red Bull is a good example of one of those teams that goes out in the community, that helps out in the community, that's really part of it, instead of just selling some you know hot dogs at a game and keeping everything busy and keeping people employed during the summertime. So we'll be talking to Fernando Gonzalez from Metro Fan TV coming up in just a couple of minutes here about the state of soccer in the United States. But first, I want to let you know, lots going on at dictatethegame.com. Dictatethegame.com is your one-stop shop for football manager and football talk, articles, strategy guides, stories. We've got everything for you at uh, dictatethegame.com coming up this coming week. We're going to be talking about what we're looking for in uh, Football Manager 2020 with Dom on Wednesday. We also have articles coming up on Monday and on Friday and the podcast every Sunday. So make sure you're checking it out daily, dictatethegame.com. Do you guys want to see something? I was just looking at the site yeah. and uh, I was looking at the years of views. Yeah. For all time. Well, no, just, just the year, just the year. We'll just do the year, just the year. Right. So this okay. year we've had... Like a, like a good amount of views we've but who right there are some countries where there's been one view oh this is fun this is one a fun view game. can you <laughs> guess there are let me just check one two three nicaragua four, five, six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve fifteen fifteen countries where there's just one view nicaragua i don't think in fact hang on let me just check nicaragua we've had six views from nicaragua wow that's wow. amazing <laughs> How about Popular. Nigeria? Can anyone guess? Wait, what was it? Sorry, Nigeria. Nigeria. Oh, we've had like a thousand views from. Yeah, Nigeria. I was going to say Nigeria. Is Nigeria, very popular. One, Nigeria. One thousand five hundred and eighty-nine views from Nigeria this year. Luke, all right. All right. Um, you guess. Syria. Syria. Oh, what's a good shout? Three views. Oh, that's pretty good. This is like pointless, but better. <laughs> Great. <laughs> all right. How about uh, Liberia? Liberia. Liberia is two views. <laughs> two oh, views. We're getting close. We're getting close. Come on. Come on, guy. I believe. Yeah. 
St. Kitts and Nevis. Sorry? St. Kitts and Nevis. It's uh, a, a Caribbean island. Oh, yeah. Three views. Ah, Three damn. Views. Three views. Luke, your turn. Um, Sierra Leone. Oh, Sierra Leone? Yeah, that one. Uh, four views for them. Do you want me to give you a couple of the answers and see what you guys... Okay, so a couple of them include Yemen, Haiti, oh. Vanuatu. Oh, I was going to guess some of those. Dominica, Gambia. There's, there's, there's some good answers. Who do you reckon's in the top 10 for countries that have visited our site? Oh, England. Yeah, England, England and the US are the top two, by a way. Yeah. Is England uh, its yeah. own country or is it the UK? Well, United, United Kingdom is right, okay. Uh, UK, okay. Uh, Germany? Germany's third, yeah. It's Australia? Oh, I was going to say Australia because of Mason Greenwood. Australia's fourth. I don't Norway. know if you'll get the. Norway is in the top ten, I think. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Ninth. Norway's ninth. Canada? Canada's tenth. Okay. We've also got um, in the top ten, we've got Indonesia coming right, in there yeah. at seventh. Wow. Yeah, we've got uh, Netherlands and Portugal in at fifth and sixth, and Sweden as well. But we've got some, you know, some good amount of views from a lot of countries. Like Malaysia's got like four thousand views. I'm, so weird. You know, it's it's incredible how broad the site is. Like I'm just looking at the, there's a map on the website that tells you all the countries that have viewed your sites, and there's only about I'm gonna say ten or so countries that haven't had any views. Like there's a really wide breadth obviously there's only like you know less than 10 views per country in about half of them but you know it's still interesting that those people are still finding the site yeah it's weird too because i can safely tell you i have never in a million years stumbled across a malaysian website and just said oh what's this <laughs> yeah you know, let alone 4300 times <laughs> you know i think that's incredible there's a real scope i didn't realize the isle of man is also counted as its own place 59 oh, really? people from the isle of man God. Really, it's its own place. In fact, even Jersey, oh, yeah. 124 people from Jersey. Jersey's like a kind of coast, coastal island, but it's kind of part of the UK, but it's kind of not, and it's it's kind yeah. of France at the same time, yeah. isn't it? It's like um, Matt Letizia and Graham Lasso from are yeah. they from Jersey or Guernsey? Oh, one of I those. Would, I was just about to say what's the difference, and then I realised I was about to offend a lot of people. <laughs> American mm. Samoa, 244. Now, see, now I'm on here. American Samoa. So this is, we're bigger than Samoan country. They're from Guernsey. Listo and Letizia, yeah. So they could have played for France um, yeah. as well as England if they'd wanted to. I just thought that was a little little fun little segment there about can you guess a country that's had one view on the Yeah. Side? Joining us now, we'd like to welcome Fernando Gonzalez. He's the owner of Metro Fan TV, which is a fan channel for the New York Red Bulls in the United States. We're going to be discussing a little bit about the Red Bull and a little bit about American soccer and MLS in general. Good morning, Fernando. Good morning, guys. How you doing? I guess it could be a good morning, good evening, good night, wherever anybody listening yeah. to this could possibly be, depending on when you're listening to it. But we're, well, thank you for having us on. You're actually our first guest on our podcast. This is it our second uh, shot going around at a podcast, and you're our first guest, Fernando? Ah, awesome. Well, thank you. Tell us a little bit about uh, Metro Fan TV, just to start out. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a project that we've uh, that mean a couple of people on on RBNY Twitter. Uh, kind of like half jokingly talked about probably since like 2016. Um, and at the start of 20, yeah, about halfway to 2016, it was kind of like, Hey, are we actually going to do this? And we all joked and said, Yeah, but nothing ever actually happened. Um, beginning of 2017, it was kind of the same thing. It's like, Uh, so we're going to do this, and then nothing happened. <laughs> um, 
and it was probably a good year to do it too because 2017 was kind of a mediocre year and it was it was uh, definitely a change from from the 2015 2016 season but uh yeah me and uh, me and lens um right before 2018 season started uh, i picked up a dslr um and i just shot a message to lens i'm like hey dude let's do this and he's like yeah and that's you know pretty much uh kind of just started from there and and yeah it's been uh, it's been it's been fun to say the least um lens is back in singapore so i've kind of uh taken over control of you know the the post game interviews and stuff but it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun and 2018 was kind of a weird season to start off because you know with with that kind of fan platform you, you want to hear all the juicy takes but there wasn't many of those last year because we were so good but uh, we've got a, yeah, it's been it was a great season last year. Not so much this year. So we we've gotten a, a couple of uh, fun interviews so far. What I have to ask you is: Do you find it's easier to do a show like Metro Fan TV when you have a good team or a bad team? Um, it, oddly enough, it was actually easier last year. Um, this year it's been hard, kind of for reasons unrelated to uh. Uh, to really the interviewing part, it was really like, I just had some like technical difficulties with um, uh, with my gear, and I've kind of just missed a couple games, this, uh, home games this year for personal reasons. But um, yeah, I guess people, uh, not as many people as as as, as I would think would want to kind of yell and scream in front of a camera uh, at the at the end of a loss than than I than I would have thought. Um, it was definitely a little easier last year to kind of get some people out in front of the camera to kind of brag and boast about how good we were versus, you know, kind of yelling about how awful we are this year, which I thought is pretty interesting. Um, I don't know. Maybe if the, the poor results continue, then um, uh, maybe, maybe people just feel more, more, uh, more likely to, to jump a camera, but I don't know. It's just kind of weird. Maybe it was easier to get people last year versus this year, I think. So talk a little bit about uh, the Red Bulls in general and kind of how it, those academies and things like that, because we were talking about this the other day um, off the air, is where is American soccer going to be, or you know, soccer in America as we call it, uh, American football going to be in 10 years unless we start really having an academy system like they do in the UK? It seems like all of our athletes, all of the people that turn out to be great athletes in football or baseball ended up playing soccer as children but moved on because the money was better or for whatever reason how do we get that culture of football that it is in the uk into the united states to start keeping some of these athletes yeah see i i'm not even i've never been uh i guess never really believed the whole idea that a lot of of, of like casual soccer fans or or just american sports fans feel that like the the saving grace for for american soccer is to like convince our athletes to uh to switch sports because if you look at if you look at the mls combines for example uh in the last couple of years and 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 if even if you just look at individual performances from from just you know various you know tests that they do for for teams we the American soccer has a lot of great athletes. Um, I mean, Jordan Morris. Jordan Morris isn't. A, I'm not a big fan of of, of his actual uh, soccer ability, but I mean, if you look at his at his at his uh, at his numbers, you know, his sprint speed and you know and stuff like that, it's pretty it's pretty close to to some of the best in football and basketball. Like we have amazing athletes currently playing the game. I don't think the problem is 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 you know shoving more. 
uh, more athletes into uh, into U.S. soccer. I think the issue with American soccer is partly uh, the culture uh, of the sport, um, American sports culture in general, and how soccer fits into that, um, and and really kind of just people understanding. I think that. Soccer in this country has really only taken off at a real high professional level, maybe for up for the last 10, 15 years. I mean, before MLS, a lot of you know a lot of the the, the soccer operations in this country were, were were barely professional. And even once MLS started, you know, it, it, it was still kind of semi-pro. I mean, I I'm 34, so I'm not. I don't remember vividly a lot of the early early games, but I, I definitely remember. Uh, MLS not really being like this great or even halfway decent quality league for, for quite a while. Um, and you don't really, you didn't really get to see a lot of the academies, the few good ones that we do have here really show a high level of, of, of quality up until I see within the last 10 years. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's in a weird way. It's not a young sport in this country. You know, that's, that's, that sport's been around in this country for, for quite some time, but at a high level, of, of interest. I think it's, it's relatively recent. Um, and it's, it's not going to be, again, I don't, I don't think it's going to be something where we have to convince the kids to not play basketball, not to play, to, to play football and, and those other sports. It's really just going to, we have 300 million people in this country, a uh, hundred and something million kids or something like that. I forgot exactly what the number is. So there's plenty of, there's plenty of bodies to go around without having to pull from other sports. It's going to be changing the American culture uh, in terms of just the general sports culture, how they view soccer, and and just getting a bigger foot, I think, across the the, the country in terms of you know coaching and and stuff like that. Talking to Fernando Gonzalez, the owner of Metro Fan TV, which you can catch out at Metro Fan TV on Twitter. So you're talking about a long term kind of goal to be able to increase soccer in the United States. So what's the short-term goal? Is it injection of more foreign talents to be able to get the league to where the other leagues are? Is it getting rid of the salary cap? I mean, you look at a guy like Bradley Wright Phillips, who's come over here, uh, an English guy who's come in, really done incredibly well in the United States for the Red Bull. Is it getting more of those people like that, or is it getting people like Christian Pulisic to be able to play in the United States instead of going over to foreign academies like a lot of these great players like Tyler Adams um, and Pulisic to be able to make this league the league to be in instead of some of the lesser leagues over in Europe? Well, I think part of that kind of ties into what I mentioned before about kind of changing American culture because I don't think – I, don't, I think it's perfectly fine if this doesn't become like the Super League to go. Like, I don't think the goal really needs to be, um, hey, can we become the next Premier League or hey, can we become the next Bundesliga? Like, it's it's okay if we if we if 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 the ceiling at least within a, within the next 10, 15 years um, is kind of just like a middle of the road European league where there's good technical quality. Um, you may not have these big, huge stars, but I mean, really outside of three or four leagues at the most around the world, uh, the biggest names are always, or, or the biggest potential players are always going to want to reach and aim for the highest. So you're, you're, you're going to have, you know, kids in Poland who are always going to, the best ones, at least, you know, their, their goal is to, to, to get into the premier league or to the Bundesliga or, or La Liga or something like that. Like. Pretty much outside of 
the best three or four countries uh, with the best three or four leagues all over the world, they're looking to, 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 to go higher, but there's kids in South America who, who want to leave South America, go to Europe. So I don't, I don't think the goal should be, you know, again, us creating our own premier league. I don't think it'll ever happen. Um, my biggest, my biggest problem with this idea of, of that too, is um, it, it kind of fits how I just view building a like building a club to begin with right your 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 team is not always uh or your quality of your team is not always about your best players your best two or three players it's about the bottom half in my opinion what what you need to do is raise that floor a lot higher the u.s men's national team for the league in general for for just development it's raising the floor of of i don't want to say the worst of our players but kind of making the baseline of quality for our players much higher than it is but i don't think you need best players and you don't need good players in them that's I mean you look at the last two shields new york have won 2015 with no big stars mm-hmm. 2018 there was no real big star it was a system and the exactly press that won it and as long as you've got the right system and plates, you don't, I don't, you don't have to have, like, LA Galaxy had that time, where they get in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You're not always guaranteed a set if you get all these big DPs in. Yeah, because, I mean, the, the, reason why we, the reason why we broke the record last year, the reason why we were so good, and, and the reason why we were even good in, in, so good in 2016, it wasn't because of, of really our best players. It was because, you know, you... You followed the the uh, the team, Luke. You see how how frequently we rotated the team last year. So it's what made it so good wasn't because we had Bradley Wright Phillips and because we had Kaku. Of course, that's a big part of it, but it's because we had Sean Davis. It's because we had you know Tyler Adams. It's because we had Alex Wheel. You know, we had all these guys who were developed uh, internally and some of the guys externally, uh, externally like like Amir uh, Amrio. Um, like uh, Florian Velo before he got hurt, you're able to you're able to develop these players to fit the style of play that you want to play. So when you pluck these guys in, when you plug them in, no matter what the position, they know what they're doing. The quality is there. Yeah, the the so the, the basically the gap in quality from your very best in terms of what they're able to do relative to the system from the top to the bottom, that gap closes uh, closes a lot. So you're again, you're raising the floor as opposed to a team like the Galaxy, who, yeah, they had a pretty strong starting eleven. Uh, uh, Toronto FC had a pretty good starting eleven, but once you start rotating, once you start, once you start get, getting into a position where where the worst of your lineup starts to kind of show its face, then that for me is the difference between just kind of a good club and just a mediocre club. And for me, it's the same. I think for for the national team, it's it's about developing just a larger pool of just pretty decent technical players as opposed to needing to develop a whole team of Christian Pulisics. We don't, I mean, look, he he's for the U S men's national team. He's one of probably going to end up being one of the best players uh, to play, you know, uh, American, American football, but okay. I mean, he's not, he's not that great. He's not messy. He's not Zlatan. He's not name. I don't know, name 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 the, the the biggest three names in the last five years in Europe. He's not one of them. He's a good solid player, but we don't need a whole bunch of those. We need we need more Aaron Longs. 
you know, good, good, solid, good, solid players who, who, you know, maybe kind of fell through the cracks or something, but again, just good, decent players to raise that floor because the overall quality uh, of, of the team will end up, will end up getting better. Talking to Fernando Gonzalez, the owner of Metro Fan TV at Metro Fan uh, TV. Doc, excuse me, at Metro Fan TV on Twitter. And speaking of Christian Pulisic, in back in January at DictateTheGame.com, we had uh, kind of a simulation about how we thought that he would do at Chelsea. How do you think that a, a guy like Pulisic is going to do at Chelsea? You know, going from Dortmund, who's a huge club, to one of the bigger clubs in Europe. Um. I- my expectations aren't pretty high, if I'm to be completely honest. Um, I, I don't know if I've seen enough from him to to really <clears throat> to give me that level of confidence that he's going to kind of just like slide in there and 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 be the starter and uh, and kind of just be this big American you know attacking player in, in, in the Premier League. Um, I, I wouldn't. I guess the way I look at it is, I feel like it's probably uh, uh, there's probably a bigger chance that he ends up kind of just being. You know this bench guy, and at some point he gets loaned out, or, or you know, kind of falls out of favor and ends up in some middle of road, uh, a team at a Premier League, or he ends up somewhere else. I don't think he's going to be a huge success uh, success story there. He'll probably end up at Liverpool like Mo Salah. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, you know, the way Chelsea approaches young players is they send they tend to have about fifty odd youngsters on their team, and then they'll loan probably forty nine of them out. And mm-hmm. then they'll end up selling them because they don't get enough game time, and then they'll end up coming back and you know biting them in the ass. It's just I, Chelsea is not a team that I think of when I think of uh, good solid chances for for young for young players, especially international. That's that's that. I, that's for me. It's more that than anything else. If he would have went to probably almost any other team in the Premier League, I think he probably would have had a better chance. Well, yeah, but then you look at Chelsea, and you they, they had Kevin De Bruyne, they had Mo Salah. They've had lots of very good young players, but they just haven't given them a chance. So no, I think this transfer ban could maybe change that, though. Yeah. With the transfer ban coming in for two seasons, they're going to need to keep a hold of the likes of you know, Loftus-Cheek and uh, Hudson-Odoi and players like that to, to, to keep them competitive. So, um, Especially because I don't think anybody's going to, is thinking that Hazard's going to stay. So they're going to need no. those players. Fernando, is there anything else you wanted to uh, mention about Metro Fan TV? How can people get in touch with you? How can people uh, uh, get the most out of their Metro Fan TV experience if they want to? I mean, it's it's the whole the whole concept of it really is is about the fans. I mean, me and uh, me and Lens have, have really just kind of been um, at least the idea that we've approached this was we are kind of just the ones allocating everything or, or kind of organize everything. But it, we want it to be, you know, for the fans, by the fans. We want it to be an outlet for, for all the RBNY fans, regardless of what their, you know, what their opinions are. Um, in our podcast, we we occasionally have uh, uh, guests who are just, you know, regular fans, which is a bit unique. You know, usually uh, most most podcasts will kind of just have, uh, you know, like a mailbag kind of segment, which we have too. But there really there really hasn't been any other RBNY podcast that uh that I will actually bring guests on. Um, the whole point of the whole point of our game day interviews is again just to give any fan uh, an outlet. So it doesn't matter, you know, who you are, what your opinions are. The ca- if the camera's there, it's 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 for the fans. Um, we definitely have some some stuff, some new things in the works uh, in the work for this for this year. Uh, we want to kind of implement some more stuff with like Instagram, doing live videos and stuff like that. So 
um, yeah, just just follow us uh, on Twitter, follow us on Instagram. Uh, if you go to MetroFanTV.com, it'll just redirect you to our YouTube page, so it's a lot easier to find. Um, yeah, and if anyone ever wants to go on as a guest uh, on our podcast, just always shoot us a DM. Uh, if you if you you know we tweet we tweet our location uh, right at right at the final whistle, which is usually at the Honda Gate, um, uh, which is right next to the media the the media door at Rebel Arena for interviews. So you know, ten minutes after the final whistle, just meet us there. And if if you want to come on, come on. Do you get that, Luke, to know where you're going to be if you're ever in the United States watching a Red Bull game? Hopefully. I, I might be. Hopefully I'm going to be out there next year. So Luke being on Metro Fan TV, I would give anything to see it. I technically, <laughs> I've already been on it. So. Yeah, yeah. Oh, technically, I was, I was on the podcast. Yep. I think you were one of our first guests. You were, I think, our, like our second or third, yeah. Right over there, we thought we were going to win the cup. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I want to see you on video holding a 442 cake from Hume's Bakery <laughs> on Metro Fan TV. <laughs> don't know how the cake, the cake would actually cope with a plane journey to New York. Have you ever seen the fan TV things in England? Like things like Arsenal Fan TV and oh, yeah. the Red Devils. And what do, you, what do you think about that? Arsenal Fan TV is kind of how a lot of it started. Like at least the idea of it. Um, yeah. A lot of us are oddly Arsenal fans. Oh really? Um, okay. Yeah, and I mean, and we, we a lot of us kind of half joked uh, at the end of like a you know a bad result or something, especially in 2016. Yeah, we, we we so we started the season one and six. We kind of picked ourselves up, and then from like the summer into the fall, the team had this weird long streak of like blowing leads. Like we were up two to nothing, I think, for like eight or nine games in that time span, and we blew all those. And we ended up with a draw, so we had like a some crazy 16 gate 16 league game unbeaten run and 19 game uh, across all competitions because at the time we were still doing the group stages for Conky Half Champions League. Yeah. But it was like the worst unbeaten run ever because like so many of them were draws and it was so frustrating because like it just kept on happening the same way. 80th minute, something happens and we just they just blew. Uh so from that we kind of just joked like, man, it'll be fun if we had like our own Arsenal fan TV. And we just kept on saying that. We just kept on saying it. We kept on saying it. Um, and then especially in 2017, we had such a mediocre year. And, and yeah, Arsenal Fan TV is kind of like the roots of, of the whole idea. Even though our format is a little bit different, I think, than, than our, uh, how Arsenal Fan TV is. But that was definitely the uh, kind of the root of it. Could I just ask as well? You talked about um, like changing the culture of uh, the sport in the U.S. Like. I think something that we don't think about here in England, like everyone wants to grow up to be a footballer. Like that's the main sport here. Um, you know, in the US, you've got like baseball, American football, uh, basketball, different stuff like that. So yeah, I guess, could you just go into more detail? Like how is soccer seen in the US? Like Americans, and it's kind of just American culture too, which I'm not going to get into. It's like this weird American sports culture that, now look, NFL, it's 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 really the only real American football league in the world. So the best players are here. Um, NHL, there's other pl- there's other countries that play hockey professionally, but NHL is the destination. Um, NBA, there's other countries in the world that have their own professional basketball leagues. NBA is by far at the very top. Baseball, you know, it, same thing. So that's not the case with soccer. So Americans are used to their their sports culture is kind of embedded in their 
it, it being their sport. Baseball, yeah. Americans view baseball as their sport. They view American football, understandably, as their sport. They look at basketball as their sport. Soccer is like this this thing. I'll tread lightly here, but it's not a coincidence that a large portion of Americans view soccer kind of the way they just view people from inter, you know international people just generally speaking you know that kind of that 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 barrier that they have uh, 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 with regards to both of those i mean it's not a coincidence so it makes it difficult because even for mls they're they're just used to uh, even there if so even if you are a soccer fan right you're still a fan of the best you're you're more than likely going to be a fan of some premier league team or some team in germany because or or spain because your mentality is geared to only caring about the best. Now, the reality is that's nonsense because look at how popular college football is, and it's basically a bunch of it's literally a bunch of amateurs who don't even get paid. Um, but it's just this perception that they have that they can only follow the absolute best. It's why you have so many people who still obsess over the big names and and don't care about the Alex Wheels and the Sean Davises and 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 you know all like the local solid American kids. Because in their mind, it's not Zlatan. It's not you know Rooney. Their their mind is just overseas, overseas. Then you have the snobs who are kind of snobby about MLS, who who think it's just this you know tin pot. It's the same thing. It's it's they're they're they still only care about the best, but not understanding that you know if you invest your time and money and energy into your local club, then maybe you can help facilitate the growth. So we could one day be one of the best. We may never be the Premier League, but if you invest that time and money and, and, and you you tune in on TV and get those ratings up, maybe we could be as good as as one of those, you know, again, middle tier uh, uh, European leagues where now the team can invest. Speaking of money, I mean, so what do you think the next step is in, in American soccer to be able to – what is it to to retain those people? Is it to get rid of the salary cap? Is it to have a relegation system? What do you think in your mind is the way to be able to keep these athletes playing soccer? I'm not – I don't think getting rid of the salary cap would do any favors just because I don't think MLS is as strong and as popular, I think, as maybe some of the biggest proponents of MLS think it is. But you definitely have to to tweak the salary system. It's interesting because MLS is probably not as complicating in terms of like roster and salary rules as the other American leagues, just American sports leagues, but it's infinitely more complicating than basically anywhere any other soccer league in the world the other soccer league you want a player you sign them it, it's that extra layer of complication in what's a, a global sport that i think kind of hurts it a little bit so you know the mls salary cap is small it's only 4.2 million dollars but you have teams like toronto with you know a 26 million dollar uh, a roster and it's because the way the money is actually funneled is is so stupid so I don't think it's it, the, the the trick here is to uh, get rid of the salary cap. I think it's going to be to drastically loosen the 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 hold that the league has in the contracts and how that that those salaries are dispersed. You can have a fifteen million dollar hard cap, which is a little bit over the majority uh, of league spending on an individual level. But if you just let teams spend that fifteen million dollars how they want. Well, maybe you can keep a guy like Tyler Adams for a little bit longer. Maybe you can convince him to stay and give him like a, I don't know, seven hundred and fifty, even a million dollar contract. 
and maybe hold on to it for just one more year. Maybe you can you can pay some of the homegrowns a little bit more because homegrowns are actually capped in how much they're able to make to still be considered a homegrown. So take the Rebels, for example. Think about how many players we've lost in our academy overseas. Part of that is because they can go to Germany for for some, you know, whatever, you know, whatever team and kind of go for it there, but still make better money than they would on a homegrown contract on an in, in, in American first tier, top tier uh, 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 team. So now if you have, again, just a, a, a clean slate of $15 million, well, now maybe you can convince your absolute very best uh, uh, academy kids to stay. You know what? You go ahead. You, you can feel free to test the waters in Germany or something, but if you stay here, we can give you, I don't know, 120, 130, 150 grand. Now, just by that, you're able to convince them because Rebels have a, a proven pipeline at this point to launch, to, to give these young academy kids a platform to go overseas with Miazga and, um, and Tyler Adams. And also the, the, the academy kids that we've developed that have made something of themselves overseas. Well, again, there's a pipeline. There's a proven pipeline. We, we can, if you can convince these kids now to stay by just giving them more money, then that helps. But that can only happen if the league lo- drastically loosens um, their, uh, their grips on, on, on these stupid salary rules and, 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 and whatnot. From an English perspective, that seems really silly that you wouldn't tie your young prospects down to the best contracts you could give them because then when you come to sell them in a few years' time, they're worth so much more money. That's like sending your best youth player to Dortmund for a couple of seasons only to sign him back to the UK for over a hundred million pounds. Oh, wait. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, sorry. I I forgot we did that. Sorry. For Fernando, thank you very much for uh, joining us. We appreciate it. MetroFanTV.com, at MetroFanTV on Twitter. And we'll talk to you again sometime. This was fun. Thank you so much, man. Thank you for having me on. Anything else to add, Luke? No. All right. Let's go, let's go, let's go.